so thankful, aren't you, for his love to us. We welcome you this morning. Glad you can be here today. Uh, we come with uh, not knowing, of course, with the weather like it is, so I really appreciate you being here. If at any time during the service you understand that it starts to weather and you need to go, I understand. So please don't let that bother you. you. You always like to encourage people to err on the side of safety. And you know what is best in your situation, but I am glad you're here today. We are especially thankful for those online that have joined us this morning and those with KTHS radio that have joined us. Several have joined in today, and uh, we appreciate you being here. Thank you for your faithfulness and giving. Receptacles here at the church online and the mail, and tonight, men's leadership, we just rescheduled that for next week, just in case. No sense in fighting this. If it does come, and I know that with all the kids praying for it to come, 
it may get here. <laughs> so anyway, if it does, it, from the sound of the weather, it could stay a while. So if it does, you know, your cue is uh, there's no policy, no school in Berryville, then there would be no Wednesday activities. So we'll just see what the weather brings. Be sure, ladies, sign up if you haven't had opportunity to do so yet for the uh, Bible study that is coming up for the ladies, and all the information is back there in the back. Promise Kids Choir will try to kick off Wednesday if there's school in New Generation, but with that is all provided that there is school. Let's give a special shout-out this morning to all the farmers that are listening as they're feeding the cattle this morning. They would much prefer to be here during this weather. I'm sure of that. The truckers, law enforcement, firemen, linemen, medical, EMTs, workforce people have to work today. Just so many people. You know, it takes a lot of people to make this thing go around. And it gets this cold and it becomes challenging in all areas. So we're thankful for all of those today. Some can't get here because of work. Others are concerned with weather. And as I said, that's very understandable. Turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. And uh, let's take a journey in this book for a little while. I want to think on the lines this morning of how to be undaunted when you face storms. You know, sometimes we go through these times in life when we need something to kind of stir in us, causing us to engage in a God-ordained task that can both change us and change others. And it's been done before. The story that we're going to be looking at, it happened in just 52 days. The key person of this story is Nehemiah. No doubt you know him well. And you can read about him in the book of Nehemiah. Matter of fact, our men were taking a journey in this book, and we're kind of delving into this thing of how important that it really is. And the challenge is really pretty simple. The walls of the city of Jerusalem were covered in rubble. And God spoke to Nehemiah a message, and he said this, you are the one who's going to bring hope to the Jewish people. Now, I want you to note with me and understand, Nehemiah was no one special. He was not a world-class athlete, not the best-looking guy in his day, not the most intellectual. Truth of the matter, he was simply ordinary. That is a thought that I want us to accept today. To understand that just because we may not be any of those things that we might consider to be spectacular, that that's not what God looks at. As a matter of fact, the truth of the matter is, God uses everything, but mostly He uses ordinary people. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. 
He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a warrior. He was a cupbearer. It was his job to be sure that no one poisoned the king. In other words, if there was poison in the food or drink, he's the first to go. The cupbearer tested everything that touched the lips of the king. And in chapter 1, it starts with verse 1 and 2, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakloth, in the month of Keslev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Haniah, one of my brothers came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. That means it was somewhere in what would be our November or December. <clears throat> there wasn't any decorations going on because that was 44 B.C., Modern-day Iran is basically where it was located. And Nehemiah's brother came from Judah, and he gave to Nehemiah a report. Verse 3, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the providence, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. There was a reaction that Nehemiah had to that news, and that's verse 4. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. The walls of Jerusalem had been down for 140 years, and it was a complete embarrassment. It also left those who occupied the city left them weak to the attacks of any enemy that might decide to take them over. So consequently, the people of God were depressed. They felt like they had no hope. And life was never going to get any better. You know, it's amazing to me how easy it is for people to get to that place in depression and beginning to lose hope, and thinking life's never going to get any better. Well, they believed that they would even become victims of whoever chose at some time to just come after them. They were doomed in their thought, in their eyes. Now, the first question we might want to ask is, how did all this happen? And I think in our situations where we live in life, we need to ask that question. How did all this happen? How did we get here? <laughs> well, in the Old Testament, God had said to the Jewish people, he said really a pretty simple message. He said this, if you obey me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, there will be consequences. Sure enough, they let their hearts drift away from God. They began to worship false gods. And they brought great displeasure to God Jehovah. And as a result, the Babylonians came in and wiped the city out, destroyed the temple, tore down the walls. 
Several years later, Persia was the overruling dominant world power at the time. They, they relinquished a little bit of their grip on the Jewish people, and, and they let a remnant of people go back to begin to rebuild the temple. That didn't work well because they had no materials and no money. They had some skilled laborers, but they were without materials, without money. And out of nowhere, God's plan was placed on the table. God decided that he would use an ordinary person, an insignificant individual, to bring the past, the rebuilding of the wall, and they would do it in 52 days. God tapped Nehemiah out of nowhere. Matter of fact, I don't think he even saw it coming. Today I want to take just a few moments to give you some principles that show how God uses ordinary people to be world changers. How God will use us even to be a world changer. Because the fact of the matter is, we know and we understand that America has drifted away from God. How do we get back? Well, the first thing I want you to notice is God uses ordinary people who are willing to just sit down and cry. When I heard these things, verse 4, I sat down and wept, and for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the Lord of heaven. He did the very thing that Jesus did when Jesus stood on the Mount of Olives and looked down on Jerusalem and began to weep. He was weeping because he looked at the number of lost people in Jerusalem, and he saw that they turned the temple into a marketplace. He was overwhelmed with emotion. He just cried. He realized that these were sheep without a shepherd. You know, have you ever wondered how it is that we, as we look at a crowd of people and gathered at a place of business or a mall or any other place that people gather. And as you look at them, for the most part, they look pretty normal. They're busy shopping, especially from the holiday season that we just went through. But do we ever stop and think? I wonder how many of these people are truly ready if death were to take place. How many would face eternity without Christ. You see, when you think and realize that God has called us, church on the hill, I think, to win more souls to Jesus. And I think that we need to be to the place that we're not a, a happy people until we see more and more of that happening. Who are we anyway? fact of the matter is, we're just ordinary people endeavoring to put a barrier in the lives of people, keeping them from going to hell. That's a pretty significant job. Because sometimes you feel like you're stepping in the way of a freight train that is just simply hell bound. 
But I think we still have to step in the way and be the one that's willing to stand in the gap. What's interesting about Nehemiah's story is that the wall was a thousand miles away from him. His way to be able to get there was not by plane or train. It was a caravan. It took days and days. Now, <clears throat> notice what was happening here. He was living in a palace with very comfortable quarters, being the cupbearer. You know, as long as he was sure of the staff that was feeding the king, his job was pretty easy. He just pre-sampled it. You had to have a lot of trust in your staff, didn't you? <laughs> okay. He was in a <clears throat> very good relationship with the king. Excuse me. And yet suddenly, he began to weep because he was told that Jerusalem was in shambles. The walls were broken down. You see, it's easy for us to push those kind of burdens off on somebody else. It's easy to hear about the challenges that people are engaged in and, and move on anyway with our busy lives. There's some things that God's going to speak to us about. However, I believe in coming days and weeks and months that we won't be able to just move on. That God is literally going to tap us. In other words, that we'll be asked the question. That is a question of questions, especially in this day and hour. What breaks your heart as it breaks God's heart? People have answered that question. Some have said, you know, and God's doing some great work in, in great places today when people see children neglected or abused. And, and others said that, <clears throat> talking about all the sexual abuse and that's taking place with so many today, and the human trafficking and the injustices that takes place in the lives of so many. And they see challenges of young people facing and being bullied and pushed around. And they see ungodliness that seems to rule in the highest places of the land. And, and they see all of the things that are going on and that God has chosen you to be alert to those burdens. God has chosen you and I to be sensitive to those things. The answer that we come to is God has chosen us to be alert to those burdens. It's the reason we see those things. And if there's one <clears throat> that is really standing out to you, just maybe he's calling you to say, and wants you to understand, your nest is about to become a little bit uncomfortable. You know, it's amazing how God's able to do that as he stirs within us. God uses those who are willing to just simply sit down, evaluate, and cry out to God. The second thing, God uses those who kneel down and pray. Nehemiah 1.4, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He fasts. He prays. <clears throat> Many people would say, I, I don't know what I can do about this big, big need. I'm just one person. Well, Here's the real deal, <clears throat> and it's so easy for us to do, especially in this day and time. You're overlooking the power of prayer. 
You're overlooking the power of your fasting. Some of the most intimate, important times in our life are when we're fasting and praying, and God begins to speak. Did I say that clear? Some of the most intimate, important times in your life are when you spend time fasting and praying. You might say, but I'm only one person. Have you ever considered this equation? You plus God become the majority. Amen? You plus God become the majority. You see, God is going to do something, I think, with people who are willing to say, God, I believe in your supernatural power. We'll begin to see the confidence that he has in us. You know, it's, it's so often we're, we're so guilty. Say, well, I, I'm just a, and we fill in the blank, whatever it is, whatever it is that oftentimes we do. But I don't care what you do. <clears throat> I think whatever it is, in addition to that, you're also an anointed leader of God. Anointed by God to go forward. You see, you must be willing to give God your open arms, and your open heart. And say, Lord, here I am. I'm available. You see, in this journey we're going to walk through with Nehemiah, we'll also come to a place we're going to talk a little bit about opposition because the minute you begin to do something about a burden that God lays on your heart or you begin to do something about the loved ones that you see that are lost, and you begin to pray for them, and you begin to intercede for them, and you begin to fast for them, you're going to find that opposition is going to hit you in the face. We already, you know, I've said a couple, three weeks ago that trouble is going to hit you every single day. What we have to understand of, of the truth of the matter is, is that the purpose of the enemy? He wants us to be distracted more than anything else. He wants to distract us. Well, Nehemiah was living out and endeavoring to fulfill the vision God had given to him. He was really laser-focused on that vision. He didn't let any outside power change his mind, change his heart, or draw him off task. Well, the enemy uses all those tactics. Why was Nehemiah so committed? We're going to see some instances in the book of Nehemiah where Nehemiah was praying, believing, and trusting. Praying, believing, and trusting. Let us understand, we've always got to be praying, believing, and trusting. There's no way you're going to spend time in the presence of God, I don't think, and then allow the enemy to come and pick you up and throw you in a ditch of surrender. This is not a day we're going to surrender anything to the enemy. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your friends. You hold on. You pray. You intercede. What did God do supernaturally? Now, this is supernatural work. He anointed every worker. <laughs> because of Nehemiah answering the call, he anointed every one of those workers, and in 52 days, miraculously, the walls and the gates were reestablished. In 52 days. 
Truth of the matter is, you know, we could be on a short leash in our world today. 2024 is the year that, you know what they're wanting to do with you and I? They're wanting to do everything they can to try to get us to become primarily a cashless society. At least that's what all the big world leaders are wanting to do. You ever wonder why? Because they want to control you. Your purchases, they want it to be on a debit or a credit so that your bank and other influential authorities who rule the world can keep an eye on what you buy, sell, spend. Pastor, you think we're in the last days? We have been for a while. We just don't know the day or the hour, but I want us to be found faithful to his task. We're ordinary people, but we serve an extraordinary God. I don't look at those things with fear because I remember that God uses those who are willing to sit down and cry, and he uses those who kneel down to pray. The third thing, God uses those who stand up to act. When Nehemiah stopped praying, he stood up and did something. He stood up and acted. He did not shift the burden to someone else or to some other organization. He didn't wait for someone else to move first. He went to the king and said, I need your blessings. In Nehemiah 2, when he went before the king, the king saw that he was distraught and that he was sad. And understand something. If you were the cupbearer or any servant of the king... If he didn't like the way you looked, you'd get not fired, you'd get snuffed. You killed. Whether you felt like smiling or not, whether you felt like you ought to put on a positive act or not, it didn't matter. You either did it or you were alienated. But because Nehemiah had a relationship with the king and his wife was present, he said to the king, may the king live forever. Let me give you a little sidebar here. The reality is if you're going to ask somebody for something and you're going to infringe on their time and their abilities and use their influence, you might ought to compliment them first. In other words, say something positive. So Nehemiah answered in the third verse of chapter 2, Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed with fire? I am miserable over this. The king asked, well, what is it that you want? And when the king asked the question, Nehemiah answered it. How could he answer that? Because he'd already spent time in prayer. In verse 5, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, And if your servant has found favor in his sight, 
let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so I can rebuild it. He stated his purpose, no questions asked. He didn't ask, would you send somebody over there to take care of that problem? Because I'm too important tasting your stuff. (laughs) Would you send our engineers over there? Would you send our builders over there? He said to the king, send me and I can rebuild it. You see, when you find out what it is that is on God's heart and you decide to say, God, I want to know, I want you to know what's on my heart too. And when you're fasting and praying, you just get busy. And, you know, it could be summed up like this, which is an interesting concept, and consider it. At least consider it. That doesn't mean you have to always do it. Have you ever considered allowing your, minist- your, your misery to become your ministry? <laughs> now, that's a novel idea, isn't it? Your misery to become your ministry. Throughout history in the Scripture and in our modern-day society, God calls an ordinary person to do an extraordinary task. And a lot of times it's because we're so stirred about that. You remember 9-11, ordinary people? Stepping to the plate, thousands died because of the crash in the Twin Towers when they were struck by those jet airliners. Another such jet was headed to Washington to do damage, but there's this 32-year-old individual. You remember his name? Todd Beamer. That's right. Who realized what was going on, and he said to his wife, somebody has to do something about this, and it might as well be me. And that day, a man that had little kids at home, after he talked to his wife, said, let's roll. He lost his life that day, but he made an impact. And his testimony is rock solid. He proved that as an ordinary person, he could put his life on the line so that the evil intent of the enemy that possibly would have killed thousands and thousands of other people, they were not going to do that without having some resistance. You know, the world we live in today is in trouble. It's in trouble. Culture today seems to be working backwards. Away from righteousness, not toward it. It seems like those in authority have no conscience. From a layman's viewpoint, sometimes it looks like God isn't going to do anything about it. But when I read Scripture, I find out God is not idle. And every plan that is at work, I believe that he has an ultimate, divine, supernatural plan that can outdo any plan of adversity. 
But all of the things that are necessary for the fulfillment of Scripture, you can believe it'll happen. And we will, as the church, at some time arrive at the place of the rapture, moving through the time of tribulation, however it be, and bring us back for a thousand years to rule and reign. It's all Scripture. Everything that happens today is taking us on that path. How it gets there, we don't know. But I'm telling you that we as a church just need to buckle up and get ready for the ride of our life because God is not going to give up on this generation. Did my mic go dead? I think I even hear the radio people saying amen. Amen. God is not going to give up on this generation. Why? Because our God rules and reigns. Not through the concrete and the mortar and the wood of this building. He rules and reigns through the lives and the souls of those of us who sit in these seats, who listen by radio, who watch. Those who come to worship together, to listen together, to be together, and we acknowledge Him as God and our Redeemer. That's who He's going to work through. So, as the worship team comes, may we fast and pray more than we ever have. May we weep over the conditions of our world like we never have, and may we simply get up and act and believe and know of the fact that the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. And all things are possible through Christ Jesus. I believe it, don't you? Thank you for being here today. As we worship, Let's move ourselves on our journey to understand and know we can resist the storms that we face and we can be undaunted in the face of danger. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, don't leave here today without making peace with God. If you have special needs, someone you want to pray with you, Myself or others here today would be happy to be available to agree with you. You know, there's power in agreement. There's power in prayer. Amen? Let's worship.
winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above.
thank you for so much for coming this morning. If you're here the first time, Pastor Keith is in the front foyer, the foyer behind you, and would love to meet with you. Remember, the leadership study is canceled for tonight, rescheduled for next week. Y'all be safe out there. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night, weather permitting.